Hello, this is Kirsten Fontenrose with the Atlantic Council, and I'm joined today by Karen Young with the American Enterprise Institute. And we are chatting a little bit about recent developments in Iraq, both in the economy and on the stability landscape. So Karen, if I can start by throwing you a question, you are probably the person in Washington best suited to answer. We saw recently pledges from both the UAE and Saudi Arabia for $3 billion to Iraq. Can you tell us your thoughts on this, what's behind it, where it might go? Just what are you, what is your research telling you about this, this pledge? Right. Well, thanks, Kirsten. Um, yeah, there was, you know, a recent visit by the Iraqi prime minister to Saudi Arabia and the UAE, and he came away with a pretty serious commitment from both states, from both governments. So Saudi Arabia committed $3 billion into uh, basically a co-investment fund. Um, but we don't have a lot of information on, you know, what the investment targets would be. They're meant to be in the private sector. Um, but how much is Saudi money versus how much would be um, Iraqi money? And then the UAE, UAE did something similar. They made a $3 billion commitment um, of investment into Iraq. So, you know, and this is meant to be more for uh, socioeconomic development, and it targets specifically uh, clean energy, which is interesting. They also want to start a UAE-Iraq business council. So some of the things that sort of stood out to me of these commitments is that, you know, it's not aid, it's not development assistance, this is not a central bank deposit, um, and it's not a loan. And so it doesn't necessarily fit, I would say, exactly the needs of the Iraqi government right now. They really have a fiscal crisis. They're having trouble meeting, you know, basic sort of public sector salary commitments. Um, and it's not necessarily a commitment or a vote of confidence into the government itself. It's saying, hey... We see opportunity perhaps in Iraq. We're willing to uh, to pledge some investment into the country, but it's with the expectation of a return on investment. It's not for free, right? Um, and it's so really meant to to uh, to benefit back to um, those state investors. Um, so I think it definitely has some strings attached, and uh, this is more and more a common tool of economic statecraft that we see the Gulf states using really. I would say engineered and um, pioneered by the UAE and Saudi Arabia now kind of coming onto that trend, where the UAE has uh, often used state-directed investment vehicles, including its sovereign wealth funds, including uh, like Mubadala, um, in pledges of investment into um, into other countries, and so it's you know it's meant to boost their own kind of portfolios, their own sectors that they're interested in. And for example, this commitment to Iraq by the UAE uh, is specifically about uh, renewable energy. So that allows the UAE to use some of the tools and the companies and the expertise that it's, it's building and deploy it in Iraq and make it profitable. That sounds like a win-win. I mean, one thing I'm interested in watching is we know Iraq has a, a law on the books, a Saddam-era law that recently was um, highlighted by the Sadr camp for renewal uh, without the Saddam-era kind of taint on it that prohibits any discussion or advocacy of normalization with Israel. And I'm wondering whether or not this is going to prove to be a point of contention with the UAE or whether there will be any attempts at conditions placed on that pledge. Uh, that are you are you any thought on that? Well, I I didn't know about that, but it's very interesting. And so you can imagine, yes, perhaps a conflict if there were joint funds between Israel and the UAE, of which there are now several, 
um, that might want to target um, Iraq. So, you know, yeah, that, that would be an interesting sort of decision point for Iraq. But then I'll, I'll throw it back to you. I mean, this is certainly, you know, the growth agenda is a priority, but stability also maybe needs to come first. So how do you see the roadmap for Iraq going forward, particularly as tensions are increasing between Saudi Arabia and Iran, maybe some dialogue happening there? What, what do you see as, as sort of the future going forward? I think you hit on it. This this tension with Saudi Arabia and Iran is both behind the dialogue and the it's it's the cause of it, and it could potentially be resolved by it, you know, if, if we're optimistic. I think there's an irony in the fact that Iran and Saudi Arabia have both agreed to allow Baghdad to mediate when really they are locked into this battle for the heart of Iraqi policy, as it were. I think that we're, that's also what we're seeing with the pledges is this attempt to bring Iraq back into the Arab fold and pull it a little bit away from Iranian influence. And they're using both money and diplomacy to do that. And everyone is vying for, for Qadami's allegiance, both sides of that discussion, I believe, are trying to make Kadami look like a strong leader because they think he can be their guy. But I don't expect Saudi or Iran to stop pulling, even if um, Iraq and Kadami himself are really trying to be a mediator here. Yeah, that's interesting. And with these you know, investment promises, they're not really made to the prime minister or to the government, right? In some ways, they're really made more to, um, you know, to the direction of money coming from Saudi and the UAE. So they're, they're hedging a little bit there, I think. And that might be hopeful. I mean, in your opinion, do you think that could actually be a win-win? Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Um, and, you know, if, if it creates some, you know, clean energy and new electricity production possibilities for Iraq, that would be super. Great for Iraq and great for the new U.S. administration's agenda as well. Thanks. Thanks, Karen. Talk to you soon.